Now we have our second reading. It's taken from Luke chapter 18, from 35 through to uh, chapter 19, verse 10. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd were going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Amen. That blind beggar, sitting by the side of the road into Jericho, knew that something was going on that day. Something was different. He couldn't see anything. He couldn't count the number of people passing by 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 looking at them. But he could hear when people were approaching from either direction. And when he heard footsteps coming along the road, that was always his cue to shout out, Excuse me, can you spare any change? Spare any change, please? And some people would would stop and give him something. Others would just walk by and ignore him. But today, today he could hear there was a big crowd coming along the road. The the footfalls were indistinguishable. There was a lot of murmuring and shouting. And yeah, this this was a big group of people. And uh, the noise and hubbub was such that unless he shouted loudly, no one was going to pay I was going to say a blind bit of attention to him, but you know what I mean. This was a big crowd, something big was happening. So he stops asking for money and starts asking, he said, what's going on? What's happening? Somebody tell me, who's coming? What's this all about? And someone says, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He's coming by. And then he starts yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He must have heard of Jesus because he recognised the name. And equally, obviously, he'd heard that Jesus had performed some pretty remarkable things because he was hoping that Jesus, of all the people there, that Jesus would take pity on him and presumably heal him, I guess. That's what he meant. At least that's what Jesus gave him when he said that's what he wanted. Son of David. Luke doesn't tell us how the blind man knew that Jesus was the son of David, because this is the first time in Luke's Gospel that that title has been applied to Jesus in those words. But the beggar had heard enough to make the connection. This Jesus of Nazareth 
was said to be the son of David, God's anointed ruler. Someone he had to meet at all costs. Though he couldn't see, he knew a lot more than the people who said, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth coming along. He knew more about who Jesus was than the guy who mentioned Jesus' name. So he started shouting out Jesus' name all the more. But you know, the crowd, and this is, this is something I always find it difficult to get my head around, the crowd, who, who have come to see Jesus, the crowd who tell him, it's Jesus of Nazareth coming down the road, they tell him to shut up and keep quiet. They do their best to stop him meeting Jesus for himself. Nothing, though, will deter the man from calling out at the top of his voice, Son of David, have mercy on me! Now, why should people who've turned out in such numbers to see Jesus for themselves not want this poor blind man to have any contact with Jesus? Did they just dismiss him because of his disability? Given all the things that Jesus had done for people who were suffering from blindness and other physical disablement, they should have known better than that. Maybe the good people of Jericho didn't want Jesus' first impression of Jericho to be informed by an encounter with an excitable beggar. They wanted to give a better impression that Jericho doesn't have any beggars. Keep him to one side and let's create a good impression for Jesus as he comes into town. Or maybe they were just being plain selfish and they wanted to see as much of Jesus as they could for themselves and didn't want this blind bloke getting in the way. But had they known better, they would have understood that the blind beggar was precisely the kind of person that Jesus wanted to see. Because, as he says later, he came to seek and to save the lost. But they didn't register with them. They were there to see Jesus for themselves and they did nothing to introduce the blind man to Jesus. But Jesus heard him calling and said, bring him to me. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. Your faith has saved you. And the blind man can see and starts following Jesus. And by the time Jesus has entered the town centre, everybody knows that he's coming. Everybody knows that's why the people have turned out in such large numbers. And everybody wants to get a sight of the famous prophet from Galilee. Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector in the town among them. He wanted to see Jesus too, but he was only a little guy. And it was quite impossible for him to see over everybody else's head. And because tax collectors aren't the most popular of people, uh, people weren't going to make way for him and let him to the front. They weren't going to show him consideration. Oh, it's Zacchaeus, let him through, let him through. No way. It's Zacchaeus. Keep him at the back. Don't want him getting to Jesus. And it would have been quite easy for a crowd in a, in a limited space to fill the space in such a way that there was no way that Zacchaeus could worm his way through and get to see Jesus for himself. So again, the crowd plays a very ambiguous role here. Zacchaeus knows that Jesus is coming because the crowd is there. (coughs) Yet the crowd that advertises the coming of Jesus by its very presence at the same time contrives to stop him seeing Jesus for himself. As with the blind man, the crowd blocks his access to Christ. So he goes up and climbs a tree, thinks he'll be able to see quite well from up there and, you know, see Jesus without drawing too much attention to himself. But Jesus looks up, spots him there, and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And, oh, doesn't that upset people? 
Of all the people living in Jericho, what's he doing going to Zacchaeus' house? Everybody knew that as chief tax collector Zacchaeus was, was greedy, he was corrupt, nobody liked him, everybody was really upset that Zacchaeus, of all people, should have the opportunity of a one-to-one with Jesus in his own home over a cup of tea. And you can sense the mood of the crowd suddenly shifting at this point. Such is the fickle nature of popularity. On his way into town, they are praising God because they'd seen Jesus heal the blind beggar. Full of what amazing things God was doing in and through Jesus. And then, and then how many minutes later, who do you think he is? What do you think he's up to? No way would a, a prophet of God go, and have house, go into the house of that kind of sinner. Sudden shift from praise to criticism. From glorying in God to complaining. Praising God one minute and grumbling the next. There's a definite lack of consistency there, isn't there? And yet after 30 years of working in churches, well, it's easy, isn't it, to come and sing the hymns and songs and then grumble about it on the way home. I've done it myself, if I'm honest. We need to guard our speech. Be careful how we use our tongues. James makes this point with piercing clarity in his letter. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow out of the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Uh, tongues and our conversation and our speech should be safeguarded for praising God and drawing other people to God by our conversation. There's a Christian apologist called Ravi Zacharias who says that all the thousands of questions put to him challenging Christianity, the one question that's bothered him the most was one asked by a Hindu friend. If this conversion you speak about is truly supernatural, why is it not more evident in the lives of so many Christians that I know? Hard question for him to answer. A question we all need to take on board. Because as we come together, and I think we would constitute a crowd, as we had to come together as a crowd of people here this morning to worship Jesus, the question is whether the way in which we behave draws other people to Jesus, or do we actually get in the way sometimes? and block their access to him. I'm not suggesting we, we, we've, we try and prevent people coming to Jesus. Shut up, sit down. Jesus isn't for you, or we, we don't want him getting anywhere near Christ. But, you know, without meaning to sometimes, we can get in the way. For the crowd that morning, there's no way that their enthusiasm for Jesus should have resulted in them trying to keep Jesus for themselves. Preventing other people from meeting him, because... He's the one who came to seek and save the lost. But if that's his agenda, that should be ours as well. And church can't and mustn't become the kind of place where we gather to praise Jesus behind closed doors, which keep out all those people that we really don't want here. Because we can have that kind of attitude sometimes. And it's not a right attitude. If we, if we gather to praise Jesus in, in the songs and hymns that we sing... That desire to extol Jesus and say how marvellous he is and how brilliant he is, how wonderful he is, that should come out in our conversations with other people as well. So we say, oh, you know, 
isn't Jesus amazing if the opportunity arises for us to do so? To let them know, yes, Jesus has done this for me and this Jesus is for you too. He has the time for you. He can make a difference in your life. He wants to come to your house today. Because Jesus doesn't belong to us in the church. He's the saviour of the world. And he wants people to meet him. And our role is to say, yeah, come on. Come and meet him for yourself. Not be people who try and keep others out in the cold. And Jesus singled out the blind man because he heard him calling. Bring him to me, he says, I want to meet this man. And because he believed in Jesus, he was saved. He looks up and sees Zacchaeus, the man nobody else wants, and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Singling out the people who aren't part of the crowd, but whom he wants to meet and whose lives he wants to change because he knows who we are and what we need and what he can do for us. And what about you this morning? You've come to Brighton Road to be part of this crowd of people who think that Jesus is something special. And you might have caught something of our enthusiasm as we've sung hymns and songs in praise and celebration of who Jesus is and what he does. And I hope, I hope, I hope that we've made you welcome and included you and on the line. But you know, Jesus wants a one-to-one meeting with each one of us. He wants a one-to-one meeting with you. He wanted to meet the blind beggar. He invited himself to Zacchaeus' house for tea. He wants you to meet him for yourself as your own personal Lord and Saviour. To get beyond being part of this crowd, to get beyond the church service, actually to know him for yourself personally. The blind beggar wanted to see Jesus so much he shouted out the top of his voice, Son of David, have mercy on me! Zacchaeus at least went and climbed a tree so he could see Jesus with his own eyes. Because neither of these men was content with hearing what other people had to say. Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Oh, that's that's interesting. Jesus of Nazareth is coming. I want to meet him. I need to see him for myself. And you've listened very politely to me talking about Jesus. Thank you. But what are you going to do about meeting him for yourself? The blind beggar shouted at the top of his voice. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. What are you going to do to meet Jesus? If you want to accept him, if you want to put your trust in him as Lord and Saviour this morning, if you want him here, if you want to hear him saying to you in your heart, your faith has saved you, if you want to meet him for yourself, if you really are anxious for an encounter with Jesus in some way, shape or form this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something difficult. I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment. I'm not bothered if nobody stands, but Jesus wants to meet with us. And if in, in your heart you want to meet with him, perhaps for the first time, perhaps you've lost contact with him, perhaps actually you just know that you need an encounter with Jesus, I'm going to ask you in a moment just to stand in your place because he's here this morning and he wants to meet us, to speak to us and save us. And if you personally want to give your life to him, for salvation to come into your heart, to meet him on a one-to-one basis, to get behind the man at the front and just encounter with Jesus. I'd like you just quietly to stand now while I pray this prayer of commitment.
Lord Jesus Christ, I've heard about you. Been looking for you, that's why I've come here this morning. And I've heard that you came to seek and to save the lost. And this morning I feel I'm one of the lost. I've taken the wrong road in my life. You know that things are a bit of a mess. Would you come into my life and sort it out? You came to seek and to save the lost. Come and find me and rescue me. Come as my saviour to heal me. Come as my Lord to take charge of who I am. There's so much about you I don't understand, but I've heard enough to make me want to put my faith in you. This morning I don't want to be just one of the crowd. I want to meet you for myself. To know you for myself. Give my life to you because you said that you would not turn away anyone who comes to you. So as I feel your gaze upon me and hear you speaking to me, give me the grace to say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Amen. Whether you stood or not, if you prayed that prayer and it connected with you and you want to talk to somebody else at the end of the service, talk to me or Jack or the prayer team are down in that corner here. But don't just be one of the crowd. Recognize that Jesus wants to meet with you.